Every month, we offer exciting new webinars for our community. Topics include how to use retirement accounts to buy real estate overseas, how to get a second passport in Latin America, why you should sell your stock portfolio and move your money offshore, how to buy beachfront rental properties in Brazil for less than $100,000, or apartments in Paraguay for less than $60,000. If you want to join us for free for these presentations with live Q&A, insider secrets, and exclusive opportunities with my professional network of experts, then go to expatmoney.com forward slash webinars. That's expatmoney.com forward slash webinars to register for free upcoming presentations. expatmoney.com forward slash webinars. We all dream of seeing the world, but the realities of living somewhere outside your place of birth can be daunting to say the least. Welcome to the Expat Money Show, helping you make the most out of your overseas career through conversations with successful expats on investing, entrepreneurship, self-improvement, and continual education, all while sharpening your financial acumen. Now, please welcome your host with over 20 years of overseas experience, Mikkel Thorup. Welcome, welcome, welcome. My name is Mikkel Thorpe, and this is the Expat Money Show. Today, I want to discuss with you all of the updates and changes and all the new things that are going on in the world of immigration. So this is residency by investment, citizenship by investment, naturalization, everything that I could think of. I just kind of took a piece of paper and jotted down a bunch of notes, and I'm going to go through them one by one, and hopefully at the end, it makes sense. So this is going to be an update. If you guys want more information, or if you want to like really dig into the hard details, well, I have an announcement for you. So after oh, geez, six years, maybe, of going back and forth, I finally negotiated to buy expatmoney.com. Now, when I started this business six years ago, I wanted to get expatmoney.com, but another company had the name. So I had to go with expatmoneyshow.com because I was really starting with a podcast. Okay, I had already been doing a newsletter for a while and everything like that, but I thought this is going to be a podcast. It's a show. No problem. I'll take that. But obviously, over the last six years, things have evolved quite a bit. And this is now my full-time thing. This is what I do for a living is I help people. I work with people and help them move offshore. You know, we go through all the financial situations, the taxes, the immigration, which is the topic of today's. So it's really outgrowing just a podcast. Now, I will do this podcast forever. I hope to be 60 years old and still producing this podcast because I get such a kick out of it and I get such a good response and we have so many thousands of people who listen to it all over the world. But expat money is more than just a podcast. It's more than just a newsletter as well. There's so many things we have on the go. So anyways, if you guys go to expatmoney.com, we have a brand new website. We have new services there. We have new articles. And a lot of the articles will be talking about the immigration processes. So what I want you to do is actually, why don't you just pause this episode for a second. Go to expatmoney.com and then bookmark the site because every week we're going to have new stuff there. So, you know, we have a few articles up there right now and they're about some of the citizenship by investment programs, like really explaining these things and showing you things that other people will just not do because they just either don't know or they're maybe not so honest or they try to hide things from you. That's not my style. I want you guys to have all of the information and then make an informed decision about what is best for you. So there's some really good articles up there. But more than that, we're going to have more things that are going to be coming out 
like every single week. So you're going to have to come back over and over and over again to see all of these changes. Anyway, so that's the big announcement. As I said, today's episode, we're going to be talking about lots of different immigration things. And what I want to talk to you at first is some of the citizenship by investment programs in the Caribbean. So there are five programs in the Caribbean that offer citizenship by investment. And I'm going to list them all for you in a moment. But I want you to first understand why. Why do these countries offer citizenship by investment? The main reason is that a lot of these countries are right in the hurricane belt and they get flattened every several years and they need the money to repair after all of these damages, to get services, to make sure that people have housing and food and all of these types of things. So if you speak to the people there, they will actually tell you that this is a life or death. The money from this is really a life or death situation. So your dollars or, or euros or great British pounds or whatever it is going into this country really help it, like really do so much for the economy. And the money is raised of non-tax dollars. So they're not just taxing their own people to be able to provide these services. This is all foreign direct investment that comes in. Now, each of the countries have slight differences. I'm not gonna go into like every single minute detail on each one of the countries or, or how they differ from one another, but a couple of insights you can understand. First of all, they all have a donation option available to them. So when we say citizenship by investment, what this really means is you are investing in the citizenship. It's not an investment and you get a citizenship. The passport and your ability to live and work there and be a citizen of the country is the return, okay? So all of these will start at around 100 to $150,000 on the donation side. Now, if you have dependents, if you have spouses, in some instances, even if you have siblings, they can all go under you. Now, there's going to, of course, be some caveats. It's going to be dependent on how old they are, if they are a dependent or not. You know, if you have a child who's 40 years old and makes a full-time income and is completely self-sufficient, in some of the countries, maybe that's not going to be applicable for a dependent. But if you have a child who's 16 years old or even a child who's 20 some odd years old, but they go to university and they're dependent on you, then that might count. So we need to look at these types of things based on your exact family structure. Also, another thing you'll see is that some of the countries offer a real estate investment. Now, personally, after going through these many times with clients and looking at these different types of programs, I am not a big fan of the real estate option. And I'll give you the main reason why. Say that the property is, I don't know, $400,000. And in five years from now, you go to sell off the property and you have to sell it on the secondary market. What's going to happen is the resale value you're going to get is most likely going to be, say, $300,000. And that delta, that arbitrage between the three and 400K happens to be really the exact amount of money that would be required to just make a donation. So I always tell my clients, you know, of course I'm there to support no matter what, but in my opinion, it's always best just to make the donation, get it done, wash your hands of the whole situation and move on. The opportunity cost of all of this extra money can be used in better ways. I understand that people want to get a good deal and they want to feel like they get good value, but these all have to be government approved 
projects in the Caribbean. This is not possible just to go on the secondary market, pick up any place at the very, very minimum and get a really fantastic deal and start renting it out and making big returns on it. That's not how it's set up. These need to be government approved projects. So you're better off just do the donation route. I think it's much faster, much simpler, less stress, and you don't have to tie up as much capital. On top of real estate, they also have a bond option for some of these countries. So you can actually buy sovereign bonds in the country. Now, during COVID, they've had discounted prices. They used to be $500,000. Now they're $250,000. These things change. They change the rules a lot of times. Once again, I'm not so sure if this is a great path forwards. First of all, you have to tie up a lot more capital. But second of all, how are the bonds rated? I mean, we've looked into it, me and my team, and we have not been able to find a credible rating system on these types of bonds. So for me, I think once again, it's best just to go the donation route and be done with it and not have to worry about it. If I had hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of bonds and I wasn't sure on the validity of them, I don't know how that would make me feel at night or how I would sleep. So the five countries in the Caribbean that offer citizenship by investment are St. Lucia, St. Kitts and Nevis, Antigua and Barbuda, Granada, and Dominica. Now, all of the countries have their own strengths and their own weaknesses. For some people, maybe Dominica is the place that they want to be. It's a small island at the bottom of the atolls. It's more difficult to get to. The topography and the flora and fauna are very different than a lot of the other Caribbean countries. It is not as popular, not as big, not as many people. It's more remote. For some people, that might be very attractive. And in the exact same vein, for some people, that might be non-starters. Maybe they want somewhere which is going to have a lot better medical supplies and they can go out and party and have a lot more people and more shopping. That way you might want to look at something like Granada, which is a little bit more developed. But it depends on your exact needs. So these are some of the things that I work with with my clients to try to figure out exactly which country or which program is going to fit their family. You know, some of them are really good if you're going only by yourself, if you're a solo applicant, and others are good if you have a family of four or a family of six who want to apply. It can be more economical. There can be better opportunities. So it's really dependent on you guys. So actually, if you go to the new website at expatmoney.com, you're going to be able to read more about each one of these programs in a blog article that I did. And if you want more help than that, then you can reach out to me. In the top right-hand corner, there's going to be a little button there. It says, work with me. There's an important letter there that I want you to read, and you can start working with me on consulting. If you say, hey, I want to get Granada citizenship, or I want to get St. Lucia citizenship and you already know which one you want, then no problem. Send me an email at mikel at expatmoney.io and I'll respond to you and I can help you do the entire process. No problem. But it's for those people who are like, oh, I don't know. Should I go this program? Should I go that program? How do I do it? How do I structure the taxes? How do I have this? Do I set up a business there? I need a bank account. All of these types of things. Then I do more of the consulting service and I help like a concierge way of walking you through not just this, but many aspects of the expat and offshore world. Okay, moving on from the Caribbean, I want to talk to you guys a little bit about the changes to the Panama residency program here. So 
August 6th of 2021, the old friendly nation visa as we know it finished. What used to be able to happen is you could start a company, make a bank deposit of $5,000, and within two to three months, you would get your permanent residency. You would go first in under a temporary residency, and then after a couple of months, you would get your permanent residency. It was a very popular program, and people from all over the world, any of these 50 friendly nations, came down here to Panama. The government found after a number of years, though, that people were not really using these corporate structures to do business or to move their businesses down here. That was the entire point of it. They wanted to bring more economic value to the country. It was an economic visa, so I can understand that completely. Now they've swapped it out with a couple of different options. So one of them is called a long-term deposit, where you can actually put a couple hundred thousand dollars into a bank account. It gets blocked off you actually show the certification that it's done at a reputable bank and you can get your residency on the back of that. Now, the problem is that although maybe you're going to earn a small amount on this, it's not going to be huge and it's not going to be keeping up with inflation. Or at least, even if you go from the published numbers of inflation, you're not going to be keeping up. And the true inflation numbers on US dollar these days, I would argue, are double digits. So I don't think that this is a great option. There is also a real estate investment. So you can make a real estate purchase. It has to be done in a single property. It can't be split between multiple properties. And the minimum investment amount is $200,000. I think this is a much better option. And the nice thing about this is it doesn't have to be a government-approved project. It actually can be real estate anywhere. Now, if you're moving down here to Panama and you actually want to live in the place, then that's great. You know, you can get any real estate agent. If you guys don't have a real estate agent, then you can email me at mikel at expatmoney.io and I'll introduce you to the one of the people that I work with. But if you're hoping to make the investment and then rent it out yourself, make a little bit of income, what I would highly, highly, highly suggest is working with a experienced property manager here. And these can be hard to come by. You know, I wouldn't be going with a little mom and pop place that only manages a couple of apartments in different buildings. Instead, I actually work with a company here who has hundreds of units, if not thousands of units in Panama City. And they work with an entire buildings. So investors come in, they purchase a unit, the management company has a list of potential clients. They work with a lot of the multinationals, actually. So if you think that Procter & Gamble or some of these other big conglomerates come down here because they have work related to the Panama Canal or the free trade zones, they need to put their executives into a place. Well, that's the company that I work with. They actually help arrange these things. So the company might be the one themselves that rent it, and then the executive comes down for six months or a year or two years or something like that. And when they leave, the company keeps paying the rent. Now, the stability of that is excellent, and you know that the property is gonna be kept safe. I really, really like this. I wouldn't want the idea of just random people and trying to find it yourself, and then what happens if something breaks and you're overseas? I don't like this at all. So once again, if you guys reach out to me, I'm happy to make an introduction. I think that the Panama Friendly Nations visa or the new version of the Panama Friendly Nations visa is still worthwhile. We saw a dip in it afterwards, the interest level, because people were a bit sore that they had missed out on getting it for only a $5,000 bank account. But now a lot of people are still interested. They're starting to contact me these days about moving down to Panama. I think Panama is a beautiful place. We've been here for three years. I am 
very well connected here. We have so many friends. If you guys saw the video that we did for my birthday party a couple of weeks ago, I mean, we had probably close to 100 people fly in from around the world just to attend this party, and everybody had a great time. We had so much eating and drinking, and it's, it really is like a first world country, but the cost savings of coming down here and the benefits on the tax side can be substantial. So still putting in that $200,000 minimum into a real estate project, I think is a great way. Now, I have heard floating around the internet several times or a dozen times, oh, the old Friendly Nations visa is back because there is a third way that you can get your Friendly Nations, and that's by getting hired by a local Panamanian company. Now, I don't recommend this. It's kind of a loophole, and I'm sure it will either get closed quickly or people are going to be in for a rude awakening. What is happening with some people is that they are forming their own company as they were before, then listing themselves as an employee and paying themselves. Okay, so a couple of questions about this. If Panama went to all of this trouble to get rid of the company version, why are they going to allow this to happen? The whole point was so people were bringing larger sums of money in, not just a couple of grand, okay? So that's the first thing. Second thing is how are you going to be viewed from the tax side? We follow a territorial tax system as expats because our money is not made here in the country. Our money is made back in the States or in Canada or anywhere on the internet. You know, you're a coach or a consultant or Amazon FBA or you're a doctor and you do telemedicine or there's many options out there on how you can make a living or even just working remote from a company that's based in the West. But if you're living in Panama and you're taking a salary in Panama from a Panama company, how are you going to be viewed from the tax side? This could end up being really expensive in the long run, especially if you're not aware of these types of things. So I would say, contact me. We can look at your exact situation. We can go through all of these types of things. I've partnered with a lawyer here. I help lots of people come down to Panama. Happy to work with you on it. I think it's really good. All right. I want to bring up a couple of other changes, some not so happy things that's happened in the immigration side. So I guess the first non-happy thing is the changes to the Panamanian friendly nation visa. But I had tried to warn people, I had tried to tell people that these changes were coming like a year in advance. And a lot of people wouldn't listen to me. They didn't think that I was being honest or they thought I was just marketing or something like that. I'm like, no, I kind of know because I'm really well connected here and you can hear a lot of rumors and I run in some circles that deal with the government on a regular basis. So the other one that we got a surprise with about a year or so ago was Cyprus. There was a whole bunch of scandal with Cyprus's citizenship by investment program with the government employees taking kickbacks and not doing proper due diligence on people who were coming in through the program. So it was quite embarrassing for the entire industry and I was really shocked when I started to learn about all the backdoor deals that were being done. But I can tell you that citizenship by investment and residency by investment are under the microscope, not just because of this, but some other things that have happened. So anyways, they closed down this program in Cyprus. It was a real shame because it did help a lot of people. There were some unsavory characters who went through it, but there were a lot of just normal people who went through it too. Wealthy individuals who did not have a strong passport and wanted to participate in Europe and have access to those markets and, and who were willing to do the economic contributions required to do that. So Cyprus, gone. 
We also had Moldova. Moldova was another program, and it didn't last very long, unfortunately. I actually don't even know anyone who went through the program, but it is done. From there, we can look at Vanuatu. So Vanuatu is a small island country in the middle of the South Pacific. It's about 200, I think it's about 2,000 miles off of the coast of Northern Australia. I went there in 2007 or 2008. I went and did a scuba diving trip there, and it was amazing. I went and dove the USS President Coolidge, which was like this troop carrier from World War II. And when it was coming into port, it actually hit two American landmines and sank right off the coast of Vanuatu. So you can actually walk across the corals and then do this dive. And it goes from 33 meters down to 63 meters deep. So super, super, super deep. And I dove it two, three times a day, every day for a week, and then dove a whole bunch of other spots on the island. Anyways, Vanuatu is a gorgeous country. It is very peaceful. It is naturally organic. It's nuclear free for people who are interested in that. So they don't allow nuclear submarines or anything like that. to their waters. And the people are really interesting. It's very tribal. I drank a lot of, it's called kava. It gives you this very weird feeling, almost like being high. It's kind of a cross between being high or being drunk. It's very bizarre, but it's very traditional there. And they serve it in the shell of a coconut. So I had a good time there. Anyways, going back to the immigration, this was a great citizenship by investment program. I think they had visa-free travel to something like 131 countries, and it was a well-respected, peaceful nation, very well-established, and you could actually get into Europe. Well, the European Union decided that they didn't like this anymore. They felt like this country was not doing a good enough job with their due diligence, with their KYC, with their AML, and they've decided to suspend, not necessarily cancel, but suspend travel to the Schengen zone from people who are Vanuatu citizens who receive their citizenship after 2015, which is really when the program kicked off and a lot of people started getting it. I think it's also a bit of a backlash because a lot of the clients getting it were from Belarus or from Russia. So I think we're seeing a bit of cancel culture to that as well. So next we can look at Portugal. Portugal's also had a lot of changes to their program over the last couple of months. So January 1st of 2022, it's now no longer possible to do the real estate investment in the Algarves, in Porto, or in Lisbon. So it used to be able to do it anywhere in the country. Now they're really looking at bringing the capital to less populated areas. So you can get discounts on the price still for doing out in the boonies, or if the property is, I think, 30 plus years old and you have an intention of renovating it, you can actually get the residency by investment at a much cheaper price. If you still want to do in Lisbon or one of the other popular cities, then you have to go through a fund. Now, the fund can be based on real estate, but I would be looking at the performance. With these new funds that are popping up, we really don't know what their track record is, who is the team involved. not sure that I would really trust these things. Or if you do, make sure you do a ton of due diligence. We're fully set up to help people through the Portugal D7 visa, which is a residency visa, which is very affordable to go through, or the golden visa, which I much prefer, which has a lot less time on the ground, and it's these real estate investments. You can figure a few hundred thousand euros to make the investment, But the nice thing is with Portugal, it doesn't have to be done only in a government-approved project. It can be done in 
any type of real estate, just depending on the location. The other thing to see between the two visas is that the D7 visa, you have to be there more than half of the year, which is going to make you a tax resident. With the golden visa, you only have to spend a week a year there. Well, it's actually 35 days over a five-year period, so it can kind of be split up, but there is a minimum amount each year that you need to spend in the country. Now, you may have heard of the non-DOM tax system in Portugal. I can tell you that working through this with many different clients, it is not as straightforward as you would think. It really is dependent on your type of business, how you work, what your job is, you know? So don't just read a blog article and expect that you're going to be able to pay zero taxes or get these massively discounted tax rates. There's a lot to it and you're gonna to have to work with a professional. So reach out to me and I'll be able to give you a little bit more guidance on it because you don't wanna make a mistake on these things. I promise it's always worthwhile to pay for a professional's advice and save yourself a lot of time, energy, effort, and money. The other one that I wanted to talk to you about is Montenegro. So we actually got some good news with Montenegro. Thank goodness, finally some good news in the immigration space. Montenegro is a citizenship by investment program. They were scheduled to finish at the end of 2021. It was going to be canceled, but in a surprise move, the government has extended it for one year. I work with one of only three companies in the world that can actually administer Montenegro citizenship, and it's a great program. The only big difference between the 2021 version and the 2022 version is the donation amount. So Montenegro does a really cool program. It's actually a hybrid between real estate and a donation. So the real estate actually has to be done through a hotel or a resort. It can't just be real estate anywhere in the country. And of these, I think they approved something like 15 hotels and resorts. And we looked at all of them and went, okay, these are our top three in the south of the country. These are our top three in the north of the country. And this is the one that I like the best in the south. And this is the one that I like best in the north. So we're actually helping people to go into these programs because these are all built on specs. So you want as many investors going into these projects as possible. You don't want them spread out in all of them because we want to see the real estate completed. Anyways, I think that it's a good program. The big difference, as I said, was the donation amount. So donation in 2021 was 100,000 euros. In 2022 is 200,000 euros. So it's going to bring in a lot of capital. The government is really investing in the infrastructure, especially in the roads to get up to the north. The north is like mostly ski resorts and hiking and mountain biking and lots of outdoor activities. These are fully up and running, but they need more accommodation for travelers, for domestic travelers and for international travelers and just for European travelers who want to come over there. And then the south is like on the coast. It's on the Mediterranean. There's sailing. There's boating activities. I mean, it's just so gorgeous there. I think it's just a fantastic place and I'm so excited for anybody who wants to go through this program. So that's going to be going for the rest of 2022. The entire amount you can expect to pay anywhere from 450,000 euros to about 650,000 euros. Then there's legal fees on top of that, of course, and due diligence fees. Actually, with all of these programs, even if you see in the Caribbean, it's like, oh, it's a $100,000 donation. That doesn't mean that's the final price. There's so much extra work that needs to be done. There's the service providers, there's the local legal fees, there's the due diligence 
intelligence fees, there's the government fees, there's a whole bunch of things. Even with the citizenship by investment, if it's a $100,000 program, you can expect it's going to be $160,000, $170,000. Depends on the size of your family, so I can't give you an exact number right now. Anyways, with any of these programs, you can expect that there's going to be legal fees and additional fees that are not published. That's why, actually, if you go to expatmoney.com, I put in a lot more of the cost so you really understand these things. So that's it for Montenegro. There was another program I wanted to discuss with you. That's the MM2H, the Malaysian My Second Home Visa. This was a really popular one, like probably the most popular visa in the world for a number of years. I didn't do a lot of work with my clients on it. First, because I've been to Malaysia many, 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 many times. I used to live in Singapore, so we used to go on a regular basis. And even when I lived in the Middle East, we would travel there all the time. Personally, it's not my favorite country. I didn't think that the visa was all that great, and I just didn't really want to live in Malaysia. And a lot of my clients are Americans and Canadians, and they don't even know about Malaysia. They've never heard about it, and it just was never so popular. A lot of my people want to go north-south, you know, come down to Costa Rica, come down to Brazil or Colombia or Panama. These places are a lot more popular. Or if they're going to go to Europe, you know, then they're going to be in Eastern Europe or they want to be on the Mediterranean. They want to have that nice weather in Portugal, those types of things. I don't have a lot of clients who go and do Malaysia or they have the Thailand elite visa, which we can help clients through that as well. We don't do a lot of those though, so I don't really talk about it too much. But anyways, they decided to change this program. They actually stopped issuing this visa for about 18 months. Then they made some massive changes to it. And this was really centered around the amount of remittance that you have to do in the country, where it used to be a couple of thousand dollars a month, they upped it to $10,000 a month. So that really priced out a lot of the retirees or a lot of the digital nomads who were just getting by. $10,000 a month to live overseas is actually a decent amount of money. Maybe if you're living in New York or downtown Toronto or London or something, it probably would not be. But in Malaysia, that's a lot of money. So they really price people out. We've actually taken on people who were on the MM2H and have left, and now we're looking at things like Portuguese D7 visa or coming to Panama on the, under the new Friendly Nations visa. These are a lot more popular and kind of tick the box for not super, super, super expensive and still giving people the place that they want to live, still that lifestyle and nice weather. The Thailand elite visa, not much to be said about it. It's basically a long-term tourist visa. I also don't do a ton of work with that one just because my clients are not interested in it. But if you are interested, then of course I can help you. Happy to do that, no problem. So I wanted to talk to you about some of the rumors, the rumors that are circulating around the internet through the industry sites and talking to my colleagues who do residencies and citizenships. So one of the big ones is El Salvador. Now, I know they made a big splash when they were talking about doing three Bitcoin would get you permanent residency there. So I've actually spoken to the lawyers many times in El Salvador about this. You can actually do really any type of investment in El Salvador to get your residency. It doesn't have to be Bitcoin. I think that they use this as a bit of a publicity stunt. But what's happening now, the rumor is they will start doing a citizenship by investment. And we're not exactly sure how much it's gonna cost. It will probably be done in Bitcoin, but it will be a 
passport. You will actually get citizenship. Now, a El Salvadorian passport is not a very strong passport, but we will see as the country grows and as we're having tons of foreign direct investment coming into the country, we'll see how things look in five or 10 or 20 years. Who knows? This might be the next Singapore, so it could be worth investing in. I'm actually going to take a trip out to El Salvador next month because I want to see how it is on the ground. Last time I was in El Salvador was in 2003 or 2004, and it was an absolute mess there. I mean, they had come off of civil war. It was extremely dangerous. You could still see the scars of the war in the psychologically and physically on the population there. It's a really sad story of what happened in El Salvador. So I'm hoping that people have recovered and that the place is much better, that it's much safer, but I don't really have anything to report until I actually go there and see an updated version with myself. But I've got meetings scheduled with the real estate agents there, with the law firms. We're gonna be looking at purchasing some beachfront property there and it should be pretty good. I'll probably do an entire podcast episode just about El Salvador, maybe in May or something like that, but we'll take a look. The other rumor that we're hearing at the moment is a citizenship by investment program coming out of Africa. Now, I don't have a country in mind, but I think this will be really interesting because the way that I try to look at residencies and citizenships for my family and also for my private clients is trying to find options that are non-correlated or at least as little correlation between the countries as possible. So say, for example, you are a U.S. citizen, you get a Canadian passport and a Mexican permanent residency. Wow, that is not really all that diversified at all. I mean, those countries are so highly correlated, have so many agreements with one another that you're not really protected at all. Now, let's do a different situation. Say you're an American citizen and you get a Russian residency and you have a Chinese long-term visa and a Brazilian second passport, something like that. That's looking a lot better. Now you have a lot more diversification because as we see these walls being put up all over the world and we see these cultural divides and these religious divides, not necessarily between countries, but between regions or whole sections of the earth, I wanna make sure that myself and my clients have access on the other side of these walls, whether that be a legal right to live and work there or a citizenship and a travel document or nothing more than a bank account and a brokerage account and a company formation or maybe another home on the other side of these. And if things get really bad in the country you were born in, now you can go to a completely new place with no extradition, with completely safe, different types of currencies, different type of culture. I think that this is a much better way to look at it and a lot more pragmatic. So anyways, those are some of my thoughts on this. I think that Africa potentially could tick the box on a really different region around the world. Now there's what, 50, 52 countries in Africa. They can vary greatly between the safety and the infrastructure of each country. I've traveled pretty extensively in Africa. I've been to South Africa, Botswana, Zimbabwe, Kenya, Uganda, where else? I've been to Nigeria multiple times. For North Africa, I've been to Egypt and Algeria and Morocco. Where else have I been? Been to Rwanda really quickly. I mean, I've been to a whole bunch of places in South Africa. I got married in the Seychelles. I've been to a lot of places down there. They're very different. Each country is completely different. It's very tribal there. So I can't say if this is a good recommendation to get residency and citizenship there, because it's really gonna be dependent on 
each country. You, you can't just lump all countries in Africa together. It doesn't make sense whatsoever. Okay, what other rumors? All right, there is a rumor that Russia will do a residency by investment. Now, Russia is not doing very good in the public eye right now with the invasion of Ukraine. I did an entire episode about the economic ramifications of this. We really broke this down, especially on the energy sector. You guys should go back and listen to that episode. I'm not really here to comment on Russia and the war or Ukraine or anything like that. I'm just telling you that there were plans to offer a residency by investment in Russia. Now, if we put all of the Ukraine piece aside, I think that this could be a very interesting play because talk about a giant wall that is going up. The Iron Curtain is being raised again. So we'll see what this looks like, what type of investment, what are the stipulations, what are the minimum time requirements on ground. I don't have any insights on that, but I will be watching very carefully. And if you guys are subscribed to the newsletter, I will do my best to make sure that I put something out on there or on the new blog at expatmoney.com. So that is it. Those are my updates. Those are the changes. Those are the things that we have seen happening in the world of residency and citizenship by investment. My last little piece of advice for you, and it is this. If you guys want to do a program, do it now. Don't wait because these programs are changing on like a daily, weekly, monthly basis. And something that you want to do today, if you don't do it, who knows, tomorrow it might not be there. That's the case with Moldova. That's the case with Cyprus. That's the case with the MM2H. That's the case with the Portugal investing in Lisbon. That's the case with the Montenegro going from 100,000 euros to 200,000 euros. That's the case with Vanuatu changing their program or Panama changing the Friendly Nations visa. All of these things change and they don't usually get better. They usually get worse more expensive or more stipulations. So I would encourage you to try to go through the program sooner rather than later. And you can always think about having a second residency or a second passport really as your political insurance. Now, the cool thing is this is an insurance plan that you buy once. And once you buy it once, there's no monthly or annual upkeep or, or dues or fees that you have to pay. You pay for it once and you get it for the rest of your life. And you can also get this insurance plan, not just for your life, but your spouse's life, your kid's life, maybe even your siblings' lives. They don't even have to contribute additional funds themselves. You can pay for it for them, take care of them. It is a gift for them. And if something happens, they are protected. But the kicker of the entire thing is you can't buy fire insurance the day after your house burns down. It has to be done in advance. So in the exact same way, residencies and citizenships need to be done beforehand. That's your political insurance before something really bad happens. I'm not going to get into all of the different advantageous reasons why and all of the things that you need to think about. I think you guys understand what's happening in the world with COVID, with the war, with Justin reaching into people's bank accounts, with vaccine management, with so many things that's going on. I think you really see the need of all of this stuff right now. So anyways, I encourage you Take a look at these programs, learn more, here to help you any way that I can, ask your questions. You know, if you want to work with me, we can look at the consulting service. As I said, top right-hand corner of my new website, there is a work with me. It's a big orange button. Click on that. And I'm here to help. Anyways, have a good week. I will talk to you guys soon. Okay, bye. 
This episode may be over, but your journey to greatness continues by visiting our webpage and signing up for our newsletter. For convenient access to new episodes, show notes, and other crucial resources, visit expatmoneyshow.com. We look forward to you joining us on the next episode of the Expat Money Show. Safe travels. I have managed to secure exclusive rights to a block of villas in one of the hottest up-and-coming regions in my current home country, Panama. Join me Saturday, May 4th at 10 a.m. Central, 11 a.m. Eastern Time for our special presentation called Investors Workshop, capitalizing on the globally recognized resort brand coming to Panama. We will discuss how the tourism landscape in this region will change rapidly upon the public announcement of this project and how I have secured the rights for my clients to capitalize on this opportunity before anyone else. Thanks to my connections in the region, I have negotiated pricing that front runs everyone else. Think early, early bird pricing. From gourmet restaurants to vibrant clubs, poolside activities, and even live bands, this resort is going to pump some serious life into the region. But this isn't what excites me or what should excite you either. The exciting part is that these world-class amenities and top brand will attract tens of thousands of tourists. Tourists who will fork over top dollar to stay at our investment properties. Register free at expatmoney.com forward slash webinars. That's expatmoney.com forward slash webinars to register for this free real estate workshop. See you on May 4th at 10 a.m. Central Time. That's 11 a.m. Eastern time, go to expatmoney.com forward slash webinar.